You're listening to Portfolio Builders, a WealthCap Holdings podcast about long-term wealth building and financial independence. Hey, everybody. Uh, Devin here, your host for the Portfolio Builders podcast this week. I am really excited to have my guest, Sean, on and share some really exciting content with us, uh, something that I am not super knowledgeable about. Those are my favorite kinds of guests. Um, we have all the time folks are asking, like, I live overseas. I want to invest in U.S. real estate. How can I make that happen? That is not my area of expertise. And I'm super excited to have you on, Sean, so that you can share with us some of the different strategies that people who live in Canada or um, in, other, in other countries are able to actually invest in Re, uh, U.S. real estate. So, uh, absolutely, for those, yeah. Just <laughs> let's start with um, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background. Like, how did you get to be the person I would want to talk to about this anyway? Yeah, no, that's uh, that's a great question because there's been a lot of zigging and zagging uh, in my career, I think, to get to to this point. So, um, right now, I was recently brought on uh, to Onero Capital Management as VP of in, Investor Relations. And part of the reason there was to help them get set up a, a fund so investors could invest into the fund. Whereas to date, we've been mainly taking investors just doing directly joint venture uh, investing into our different real estate projects. So I started out after college, I worked for a couple of the big banks here in Canada. I went through the financial crisis in 2008 and thought, you know what, this is not for me. I've, I want to get out of this. Mutual funds, not my thing. And that led me into getting into the private real estate investment world. So um, did that at the end of 2008 and have sort of been in the private investment world in, in Canada ever since. And so I've worked with dozens of, of different funds. I was a licensed advisor selling private investments. Um, I've worked with hundreds of advisors of, uh, across the country and also raised lots of capital for Canadian investment funds that have been investing into U.S. real estate projects. So I've got a lot of familiarity uh, in that area. And uh, so, yeah, excited to talk about some of that today. Yeah, for sure. I have so many clients have asked me that live in Canada, like how, how can I start buying property in the U.S. Um, with all of the, there's laws on both sides of the border you have to be aware of. Um, so one of the, one of the first things I really want to talk about are what are the different ways that whether they're Canadian or foreign people can invest in real estate in the United States and kind of like, what are the pros and cons of those different strategies? Yeah, so so great question. So as of right now, you guys have been able to accept Canadian investors that are investing directly into uh, homes, right? Buying a turnkey yeah. rental property off of you. Yeah. That's that's not an issue. And so for investors doing that, the only sort of maybe consideration on their side is just how are they getting the financing? Or are they investing all cash? And then the exchange rate risk if you're an international investor. So Another approach that people can take getting to that allows them to invest into U.S. real estate would be investing into a fund that is set up. So I know uh, for myself here in Canada, it's funny we we can't. It's very difficult for Canadian and U.S. to in, to invest and kind of work together with the different securities commissions uh, laws and, and rulings. But the rest of the world is is fairly open for us. So. 
it's pretty easy in Canada to create a fund that accepts uh, Canadian dollars coming into it from Canadian investors or international investors mm. that can then deploy those funds into U.S. assets. And so there's typically kind of two structures that we see uh, when doing that. We see either um, setting up what's called an offering memorandum in Canada. It's sort of similar to a prospectus, but just not quite as much disclosure um, or setting up a limited partnership. So usually if it's someone who's set up uh, an offering memorandum for their fund, they're going to be looking at doing multiple projects or have multiple assets inside of that fund. Whereas a limited partnership might be something more where it's just kind of a, a one-off deal. Maybe it's, you know, we're buying this apartment complex or we're doing this development or, or something along those lines. Gotcha. Um, I know one of the opportunities we've had with, we've had a few international investors um, that have, you know, they've bought turnkey properties and pretty much all of them so far have, they just bought outright in cash because of the, the financing can be a little bit trickier if mm -hmm. you live in another country and you're investing here in the U.S. Um, sometimes the terms of the kinds of leverage that you can get when you live in another country, it's it's not as favorable, favorable as if you were to just buy outright in cash. Because um, I know we were chatting the other day about what are kind of the pros and cons, and it's like, you might be able, you probably can get a better return if you invest in the property directly, but if you're not liquid enough to buy it outright in cash, that, you know, <laughs> may not work. Yeah, creates an issue. So yeah, there's definitely um, some nuances there. So like you mentioned, if you're typically, if you're investing directly into the property, that's usually going to be mean that you're going to get a higher rate of return. Mm -hmm. There's potentially some more work involved for you because now you're sort of the owner and you, you know, you're managing it just like, you know, you own a, a rental property. Now you, maybe you hire a property manager or something like that to take some of that off of your plate. But typically, you know, you're going to end up with a higher rate of return if you're doing just a direct investment. The benefit for people that are investing through a fund is typically you're getting diversification spread across, you know, more uh, more real estate assets. So you're not mm -hmm. kind of tied in on one. So that helps reduce your risk a little bit. Um, and you can typically invest with a smaller amount of money. So quite often in Canada, you'll see funds that have a minimum of $10,000 to invest into a, a project. So it can be very different than maybe having to put up, you know, two, $300,000 type of thing to buy a, uh, an individual property. So that's would be kind of the pros, but yeah, you're not typically going to get as high of a rate of return that way because there's some more fees involved. There's the legal of setting up the fund and, and then the whole, you know, the whole team behind managing it and finding opportunities and, and all this sorts of stuff. So that, uh, that is typically what kind of eats into the return a little bit for investors. So, you know, di different flavors for, for different folk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, when we were chatting the other day too, you mentioned about, um, and I know it's totally different than what we can do here in the in the U.S., but there are specific strategies that we can use in the U.S. for folks to use their retirement accounts to fund real estate investments. Um, yeah. Can you? Sh and since I know we've got quite a few uh, listeners and 
clients and fans that actually live in Canada, that may be a beneficial strategy for them as well. So can you share a little bit like how that works and how somebody might um, might look to use their Canadian investment accounts to invest in U.S. real estate? Yeah, so I think that's definitely a big difference in between the U.S. and, and Canada as to how that can work. So um, in Canada, we have what we call registered retirement savings plans or RSPs, similar to like your 401k. Mm-hmm. And so that's actually a big reason groups will set up a fund is because you can set it up and create eligibility for those retirement accounts. So now it's not just someone who's got to write a check that comes directly out of their bank account. They can use the money that's actually invested into their uh, retirement account and invest that directly into um, a different real estate fund. And that fund could be investing in Canadian real estate. It could be U.S. real estate. I've worked with groups that are doing private real estate debt, um, mm. you know, private private equity into businesses. So you you can open up all these different uh, different options. But for the most part, typically what we see is real estate because that's typically what most investors are looking for. Um, they're just they're more comfortable with it. They you know they understand it, and you, you know they've seen what uh, what real estate can do for generating. Um, great rates of return, right? So that's, uh, that's, I think, why it's the most common. And that's why I like it the most as well. (laughs) Are there tax implications? Like in the US, you know, if you have specific types of retirement accounts, you're not allowed to draw from them early. Or if you do, there's a certain period of time that you have to pay it back, there's a penalty, yada, yada, yada. Do a lot of those same kinds of rules apply in Canada? Or is it a little bit more lenient? So I'd say it's it's a little more lenient um, if you're if you're just using the funds investing into uh, a, a existing fund that's set up, then there's not any tax implications from that standpoint, unless you were to actually sort of remove it from your your retirement account. So you need to hold that investment fund inside your retirement account, and then there's not any tax implications. Another thing that can make it really attractive investing into a Canadian based fund that is investing into U.S. assets is it just takes away the whole tax issue. You don't have to file multiple tax returns. The fund just Mm. does it. And so there's no tax implications for you as the investor. You just end up getting your return. There's no tax or capital gains or anything like that that you need to pay on the investment. So that's another thing that can make it a really attractive option for investors. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's totally different down here, the, (laughs) the way that a lot of that stuff works. And, um, you know, like I mentioned so far, all of our Canadian investors that have been interested in turnkeys have pretty much just bought outright in cash, which is great if you're that liquid. Uh, but I know there's a lot of folks out there that probably have those retirement accounts and learning that there's a way to like make those dollars productive in us real estate. And Okay, since we're talking so much about why Canadians or foreigners would want to invest in real estate, in U.S. real estate, like mm-hmm. the reality is, we get a better cash on cash return here than you guys do there, right? Yeah, you know, very much the case, and it's actually interesting. Myself, I joined joined uh, Onero pretty recently, and what really mm-hmm. attracted me to them was they had a unique strategy in Canada using this agreement for sale model. But for the, you know, the vast majority of Canada, we can't get anywhere close to the rates return on real estate type of investing like you would in, in the US. The numbers are just so different. The, the prices in Canada are just so high 
Mm -hmm. And so typically if someone's going in and buying a residential property, you know, if you were going to have the renter uh, paying enough in rent to cover the mortgage, you would probably need to put 30, 40% of the price of the home down Mm -hmm. in in order to to cover it. So that's, you know, makes it a lot less attractive. Um, and, And compared to what you guys are doing too, I think the price point is, is lower because uh, we've seen real estate prices kind of kind of go crazy over the last five, 10 years, sort of um, double in a short period of time. And so now I know myself, I'm in uh, British Columbia uh, in Victoria, and it's like $1.34 million is the average home price. Wow. Here. So it's like, that makes it really difficult to um, buy something, put a renter in, that's going to cover that mortgage because the rental rates aren't that different. Yeah. Like the cap rates don't line up. I didn't like the the price point. um, I didn't realize it was quite that high where you live. Like that's, that's significant. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, a 20% down payment on that property is an entire house in some of the markets where like wealth, wealth cap is building. Uh, yeah. for example, and not every market in the U S is like that. Obviously you, you know, you, you can't do that in LA or Denver or some cities like that, but there are certain markets where the cap rates are fantastic. The purchase prices are really low. Um, and your capital just goes a lot farther. And, um, I know we've been chatting yeah. too about potentially working together to help, uh, build well, I'm not building the fund. Yeah. That's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> I just have the product to supply. Um, yeah. You know the types. You know the types of pro- of uh, properties that you guys are looking for. So, um, I'd love to hear anything that you might want to share about that. About the you know the projects that you have going that people could potentially invest in if they're Canadian or in other countries. Because I think it's easier yeah. for your Canadian fund to work with other countries than it is for some of those countries to try to invest in US-based funds. Is that correct? Yeah, it, it can sim- simplify things for sure. So yeah, why don't I give you a little bit of an overview of what we're doing? Yeah. Uh, and then and then talk about kind of adding the US piece and what that uh, could look like. So right now we're putting uh, the fund together that will focus on properties we're more specifically focusing in the alberta market right now so province of alberta um, prices there are very different from the rest of the country Uh, their economy had a big focus on oil and gas and so for a number of years oil and gas was you know not doing uh as well so we've got prices there that are still kind of below what they were in 2014. oh wow and and so what we're using is this agreement for sale approach and it's really helping uh, uh, homeowners that are in a tough spot. So it's, you know, quite often it might be someone say they've, they've lost their job. Uh, maybe they're, you know, they're unable to make their mortgage payment. And now it's getting close to the bank looking to foreclose on them. And they maybe don't have enough equity to pay the realtor fees if they did sell it and pay mm-hmm. the penalty on their mortgage. So they're kind of stuck in between a rock and a hard place. And so it's those type of opportunities that our team sources out. We come in, we use this agreement for sale approach, which essentially is seller financing. Mm-hmm. It can mean that we don't have to put a, a single dollar down, but we essentially take over the existing mortgage and all the holding costs of the property. 
um, and then that uh, that owner can kind of move on. It drops off of their debt service ratio. They could go potentially buy another place, but we agree on a sale price the day that we go in. So they know what they're going to get at a certain point down the road. It might be in two or three years, whatever we set that, that term at, but it gives that buyer the opportunity to um, potentially they keep some of the equity that they've earned in that property and not just lose it and have their credit wrecked and their whole life sort of ruined, right? So mm-hmm. we we take this heart-centered approach to, to real estate investing. We're really looking to, to help people out. So that's been really, really successful for us and sort of a, a very unique model from what I've seen. And I've seen a lot of different mm-hmm. uh, invest real estate investment approaches in Canada. And so that's why we've been able to generate such um, such great returns for our investors. And so we were talking with you recently about what you guys are doing in, in the US and you know we got in the conversation about how much uh, better the pricing is in some of the markets that you're looking at and the cash and cash returns that you can generate. And we thought, hey, maybe it makes sense that we look at setting up another fund that would um, raise capital here in Canada, but then invest in some of the turnkey stuff that you're doing down in the US. So I think that's a very interesting opportunity because I think a lot of our investors would have an appetite for US real estate product as well, but are maybe falling into that same issue of, I don't have two, $300,000 to right. invest, but I could take $50,000 from my RRSP and invest. And I'd love to get exposure to uh, you know, US real estate as an asset class. And so that would be an option for doing that. We can also accept um, international investors into a fund here in Canada. Mm. The the caveat there is they do still need to be an accredited investor. So I think our definitions are fairly similar between Canada and the US. But so in Canada, an accredited investor is someone who makes $200,000 a year personally, Mm -hmm. or 300 with a spouse or they have a million dollars in liquid financial assets yeah. or 5 million in overall assets. So that includes real estate as well. So if you meet those criteria, then you can invest into a, a fund in Canada as an international investor. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, and this just a curiosity question. So since we've been having this conversation, what, um, what does the timeline look like for setting something like that up, like anybody who's maybe watching this now or listening to the replay and they're thinking like, I would want to do that. I know that there is a ton of behind the scenes work that has to go into <laughs> setting that up. And I'm, yeah. gra- I'm grateful that's your job. Um, but what is, what does that timeline look like to get all of that in place? Yeah. So quite honestly, it typically takes about six months to get a fund set up and, and running. So we've been working on um, getting our Canadian one set up here for for a while, getting mm-hmm. it eligible for um, the retirement accounts. And so we're anticipating that within the next uh, month or two here, we should have ours up up and running and available. So that is going to be a very exciting day when we get to that point. Yeah, uh, but not quite here. I'm yet. so excited. I'm almost yeah. crying over it. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I, I just, see that. Well, anybody that's watching the live video, I just have something in my eye. If they're listening to the podcast later, they don't know that I'm crying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. This, it doesn't sound like you're crying. So, <laughs> yeah. um, well, that's really, that's really exciting. Um, I'm super excited to get to work with you in the future. Uh, just because I know I have 
lot of folks that the financing comes into play when they live overseas and there's just not a whole lot that we can do. Like for anybody mm-hmm. that's listening, if you are overseas, like there are, there are lenders that will, that will give you money, but the reality is you're most likely going to make a 40 to 50% down payment. Um, interest is going to be considerably higher. It's going to be six, 7% most of the time. You know, there's some, I know one lender that'll do like 50% leverage, 7.7% interest, which it still might make sense depending on where you live. Um, or if your plan is, I don't know if you if your plan is that you wanted to move to the United States someday, like that could be, you know, a beneficial strategy to basically establish a business. Um, I'm not a, a tax advisor or an accountant or any of that, but the reality is the financing is difficult. If you, if you live overseas, you're not going to be able to get the same kind of terms. Um, and then wherever you live, you're going to have tax implications on both sides of the border. You know, you're going to have some income tax for the U S and you're going to have income tax for whatever your home country is. Um, not that it's impossible to do. I know a lot of people that, you know, that have done it. Um, but just like you mentioned earlier, there's like a lot of footwork that has to go into figuring that out, finding the right counsel. Um, and in exchange for doing that, you make the highest rate of return basically. But yeah, I don't know. The- <laughs> you get rewarded for that, for that extra effort that, that you're putting in, you know, in, in my experience, typically where, what I see Canadian investors doing that are investing directly into properties in the U.S., they're just taking, uh, they're refinancing their home, putting up home equity line of credit so that they get, you know, a really low interest rate, you know, maybe it's at 3% or even a little less um, right. right now type of thing. And then that gives them the, the ability to then go and buy that, that revenue property in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. makes perfect sense. Because otherwise, I'm... like, the, the terms of the loans are just... They're not great. <laughs> no, no, they're not. And I'm surprised that there hasn't been somebody to come in and sort of fill that void that, mm-hmm. you know, could get it for you at a, a lower rate, not having to put so much money down. Mm-hmm. It, it clearly makes sense. I'm sure. What would your typical sort of lending terms for uh, a U.S. Uh, investor being wanting to buy a turnkey rental? I'm sure they don't have to put down 40% and pay 7% interest. No, it's, it's 20% and depending on the loan. And if you buy down the rate, like three and a half to four and a half is the current, the current terms right now, you know? Yeah. Um, and sometimes on, depending on what the cap rate is on the property, even with that, even with that type of leverage with, you know, 40, 50% down in the high interest rate, sometimes the numbers still work out uh, where it's still cash flowing pretty well, but you know, you're taking a hit on the return. Uh, but mm-hmm. it's without, uh, you just cannot get, <laughs> you can't get the same kind of loan terms. Not that I'm aware of, if anybody listening, like wants to prove me wrong or educate me and share with me, like there is a better way. Like I want to know, cause we have people asking all, all of the time. Um, but I don't know, to me, just what you are doing sounds so simple and I'm super excited to get to work with you so that we can have all of our collective clients that are wanting to invest in turnkey property, not have to navigate all of that if they don't want to try to figure it out on their own um, or you know, don't have the ability to just buy outright in cash. 
Yeah, I think it is, you know, a really attractive option. It really does make it that much more passive of an investment mm-hmm. for people. You don't have to take on all that. Now, like we were saying, you do give up that control. So typically a fund is going to have a term to it. You know, like right. what we're setting up is a three-year term to our fund. So you're not going to be able to, you're not getting your money back until that, that three-year mark type of thing. So whereas if you owned it outright and you wanted your money back, well, you could put it up on the market and sell it. Right. So, you know, redemption options are usually pretty limited mm. and, re- and real estate-based private investment funds for the very reason that assets inside of it are illiquid. You know, you don't just snap your fingers in the home sold and, hey, here's your money back. Um, you know, we're typically, we've got a, a timeline and a strategy that we're looking to execute and can't just have people coming in and out on a regular basis. But for those who've got that ability to commit for, you know, three three years or so, then it can be a, a great, simple solution to, to work with someone like us. Yeah, absolutely. I That makes a lot of sense. And also, you know, if you're buying individual property, you get to pick which house you want. If you're investing into a fund, uh, you don't pick what they buy. Uh, but your, you know, your deck is going to explain this is what we do and the, the kinds of properties that we're looking at. So there's certainly pros and cons on both sides. But um, if more passive income is what somebody is looking for, the fund makes a lot of sense to me personally. Um, and then if you have the time, bandwidth, and willingness to do all the research and you want to own property outright, then you can absolutely do that, assuming you've got the liquidity to do so. Um, are there any other like trends that you're seeing in the you know the private investment space that you think the people of the world should hear about today? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely been, mo- I'm seeing more and more of a shift, investors wanting to get into real estate. Mm. And I think there's really a, a few reasons for that. Um, interest rates are really low. Yeah. So there's there's kind of two reasonings behind that side of it is, well, you can borrow money cheap to invest into into real estate. One of the only assets really that you can put down just a fractional amount of the money, borrow the rest to buy an asset. You know, that's really the, the secret in real estate is that leverage on how you can generate such great returns. But the other reasoning I think is people, you're looking at global interest rates, government bonds, you know, pay so little now, where do you go for yield? And so we're seeing, you know, even the big institutional investors like pension funds and university endowment funds and that sort of stuff, they've really shifted away from a lot of owning government bonds to physical assets like real estate because it kind of produces the same type of thing. You know, it, it generally holds its value, goes up over time and generates a yield, which is much higher than what you would get on a government bond. So that's, so that's started, you know, 10, 20 years ago in the institutional world. And I think the, you know, the average investor is, is kind of picking up on that trend a little bit now as well and going, okay, yeah, it's time for me to throw my hat in the ring and, uh, and own some more, some more real estate assets. Yeah, absolutely. I know I have people in my family are, (laughs) some of them are finally starting to come around. I've been in this industry for a while and (laughs) uh, you know, I've got a couple of family members that are now, you know, they're really, they're reaching out and they're like, Hey, Devin, uh, (laughs) how can you help me invest in real estate? And um, to me, it's the thing that makes the most sense, you know, Um, which 
is I guess why I've been doing it for a decade. But I'm I'm happy to hear that like verified from other individuals that it's not just, you know, it's not just me, but institutional money is starting to go more the route of investing in real property assets versus government bonds. I think that's absolutely huge. Um, yeah, definitely a, a major shift that we've seen for sure. That's awesome. Well, for everybody who is uh, watching the live or if you're listening to the recast and you have some Canadian dollars that you <laughs> are interested in investing and want to reach out to Sean, why don't you let everybody know how to get in touch with you? Yeah, so um, you can reach me at um, my email, which is sean at onerocapitalmanagement.com. Um, I think you'll put that in the show notes for me, right, yeah. Devin? Yeah, um, for I'll, sure. also, I'll also put uh, uh, my LinkedIn profile in there as well. So you can either get me at the email or connect with me on LinkedIn. Happy to have a, have a conversation. Uh, one of the things I, I didn't mention for any uh, Canadian listeners that have done private investing before or are interested in it, I did write a little uh, investment guide for investors, kind of pros and cons. I've seen a lot of things go really bad, not so bad and really good. So I kind of, you know, I've seen the gamut. So kind of put some of my experience in there. It's, it's a free little guide that I'll, I'll hand out to people. It's a quick, you know, 30, 40 minute read type of thing, but can really give you a lot of great information as well. So happy to send that out to anybody who's interested. Yeah, absolutely. I might have you share that in our, um, in our Facebook group too, just, you know, sure. for anybody that, that may find that, um, that valuable. So thank you for, for putting that together and offering to share it. Um, anybody that's listening to, if you if you wanna chat with me about Turnkey or some of the other opportunities that we have here at WealthCap, we do have some for accredited investors only. Uh, and we've of course got our Turnkey inventory. I would be happy to chat with you anytime. Wealthcapholdings.com backslash waitlist will take you to my calendar. And hopefully we'll be having Sean back on the podcast soon when we are looking to raise money for that new, uh, for the new series that's going to be investing in wealth cap houses. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm super, <laughs> super excited for that. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It was great. I learned a ton and um, I'm excited to have you on again a little bit down the road and uh, see all of our mutual Canadian and international friends be able to invest in wealth cap houses much more easily via uh, a fund vehicle. So thanks for, thanks for jumping on again, and we will uh, see you guys again soon. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Devin. Really appreciate, appreciate you inviting me out. So happy to do it again in the future. Absolutely. Bye guys. Okay. Take care. Thanks for listening. Discover how you can start building wealth with real estate, even without experience, in our free book, Why Real Estate and How to Get Started, by visiting wealthcapholdings.com slash book. That's wealthcapholdings.com slash book.